Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 54 to 71. And welcome John and Granny Bart McGinty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Bart and John have been wanting to come for so long. It's the first Sunday back in ages. So praise the Lord. By his strength, by his grace, you're here. And we praise the Lord for him. Amen. Luke chapter 22, verses 54 to 71. Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's word? Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him, but he denied it saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted saying, certainly this man also was with him for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council, and they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe, and if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, are you the son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you would take your word and plant it deep in our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would renew our minds your Holy Spirit would convict us of sin, that your Holy Spirit would comfort us and encourage us and empower us to walk in your ways by your grace. 
So have your way among us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Lord Jesus told his disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray that you may not give into temptation. And they slept instead of praying. And here we have the account of Peter denying the Lord Jesus three times, denying that he even knew him, disassociating himself from the one who would die for him and pay the penalty for his sins on the cross the next day. Jesus said, Peter, Satan has demanded that you be sifted as wheat. In fact, we saw last week that Satan was going to sift all the disciples. And Jesus says, Peter, after you have turned again, strengthen the disciples. The indication was that Peter was going to fall that his faith would falter, that his faith would temporarily fail. But Jesus prayed for him that his faith would not ultimately fail, so that when he was tempted and gave in to temptation and denied the Lord Jesus and felt horrible for it, he wept bitterly, Jesus would restore him and use him mightily for the advance of the kingdom. You see, we all have temptations. And we saw last week that Jesus urges us to pray that we might not fall into temptation, that we might not give in. And we saw that there was a direct link between our prayer in the spiritual battle and our victory in the spiritual battle. And maybe you've given into temptation even this past week, maybe even this morning. Maybe this past year and you can't get over it. You see, your faith fails you and it's demonstrated or manifested in disobedience to Jesus. See, obedience to Jesus may mean forsaking earthly comforts, earthly pleasures, earthly conveniences, and yet you didn't pray and you gave in to temptation and you disobeyed Jesus as you were tempted by the world, the flesh, the devil. And maybe you're still struggling this morning. But failing faith or faltering faith not only manifests itself in disobedience, but it also manifests itself in denying Jesus, just like Peter did. 
You may say, well, I haven't denied Jesus. See, identifying with Jesus may affect or even threaten your status. Your status in your company. Your status in your community. Your status in your college. Maybe in your clubs. Will you deny Jesus? Will you deny that you know him by your actions? Identifying with Jesus may affect or even threaten your security, your security in your job or your earning potential or maybe in your savings potential. Maybe in your inheritance, maybe to identify with Jesus would be at odds with the world and it would threaten your security. And it may even threaten your safety. I think it did in Peter's case. Do you know him? I don't even know him. I mean, he's in custody at this point. And maybe Peter was afraid that if he identified with Jesus, he was going to be in custody too, and he was going to get killed just like Jesus. May threaten your safety. To say that you know and follow Jesus may get you thrown in prison, maybe not here in Savannah, but in the world it may get you thrown into prison and it may get you killed. In fact, in the first and second century for you to identify with Jesus outwardly through baptism, you had a mark on you and it very well could be off with the head. Baptism was serious back then because you were identifying with Jesus publicly. (laughs) You're saying, I go with Jesus. He is my Savior. I identify with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's what was being pictured in believer's baptism. Well, you may be here today and your faith may have failed horribly devastatingly. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, your faith will not fail ultimately, guaranteed. You may falter, but it will not fail. We just saying, he will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, and sometimes it does because my grip lets go but he will hold me fast. See, my salvation is not based upon the strength of my grip, it is based upon the strength of his grip. And he will never let me go. So what do you do when your faith has failed temporarily and you feel horrible? You've given in to temptation? You've disobeyed the Lord Jesus. You've denied him with your actions, with your words, with your attitudes. You've gone after other gods. You've gone after other things to satisfy you. You do what Peter did. Weep bitterly. 
Repent humbly and run confidently toward your Savior's loving embrace. Grieve over your failure, your faltering, but don't despair. See, there's a contrast between Peter and Judas. Judas denied Jesus and went and hanged himself. Total despair. And he was not a believer. He was the son of perdition. But Peter denied Jesus and wept bitterly. And we'll see a little bit later in the sermon that he was restored gloriously. So I want to give us four ways to keep from despairing this morning when you fall into sin, when you give in to temptation. And I pray that it will be helpful to all of us. We're going to focus mainly on the account of Peter denying Jesus. We'll get through the the whole text, but I want to really focus there because I think it will be helpful for all of us. Four ways to keep from despairing. Number one, remember Jesus' words to Peter and be encouraged in your faith. This is in the Holy Scripture for our instruction. This is, this is in the Bible so that we would be strengthened, so that we would grow, so that our faith would be encouraged and renewed. If you go back to verses 31 to 34, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And Peter, you're getting ready to get sifted. And what he's talking about is that Satan is getting ready to put you through the ringer and put all the disciples through the ringer to put you through the sieve. If you remember back in the book of Job, remember Satan came to the Lord and asked permission to have Job. It was only by the permission of the Lord that he was able to do it. But he put Job through the sieve as well. And the enemy's goal in putting God's people through the sieve is to separate you from your faith is to destroy your faith. Now, there are many circumstances where it could be that the Lord is testing your faith through a very difficult circumstance, circumstance, and in that same opportunity to test your faith and to prove your faith, to strengthen you and grow you, the enemy takes that opportunity to try to destroy your faith. Could be the same circumstance. And what he wants to do is he wants to destroy Peter's faith. He wants to destroy 
the disciples' faith. And he wants to destroy your faith too. You see, we have an enemy, an adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants to separate you from your faith. And Peter faltered, but he would not be separated from his faith ultimately. I mean, can you remember when Peter was walking on the water and he's looking at Jesus and he steps out of the boat and he is literally walking on water and then he looks at the the storm, he looked at the waves, the wind, and he started sinking. How many times have you and I in a very difficult situation or a situation where God is sustaining us, doing marvelous and wonderful things in our lives. We are on the mountaintop or literally on the water and we look away. We take our eyes off of Jesus and we start to sink. And and that is an instance of a failing faith. We're we're so prone to wander, We're, we're so frail. And yet Jesus reassures us just like he did Peter that your faith will not ultimately fail. So when you've fallen into temptation, number one, remember Jesus' words to Peter and be encouraged in your faith, be strengthened in your faith. Number two, remember Jesus' restoration of Peter and be strengthened in your faith. Peter's restoration. In John chapter 21, John gives us the account of the restoration of Peter on the Sea of Galilee. The resurrected Christ is on the shore and Peter's out fishing on the sea. And the Lord Jesus is making breakfast. And he calls to the disciples and they come back to shore, Peter recognizes that it's the voice of the Lord Jesus. And he comes quickly and on the shore, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. And three times he asks him that question and three times he says, Tend my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my flock. And in that, he is restoring the Peter whose faith had failed temporarily. He is is restoring him. And I can't imagine the embrace of Peter in the arms of the resurrected Christ. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith 
knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, watch this, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. And if there's anybody who had a personal experience behind those words, it was Peter. He said, brothers and sisters, I know from experience He will restore you. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. Resist the enemy firm in your faith. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. And he will hold you fast all the way to the end. He will never let you go. So remember Jesus' words to Peter and be encouraged in your faith. Remember Jesus' restoration of Peter and be strengthened in your faith. And thirdly, remember God's saving purposes for his people and be established in your faith. What I mean is remember the gospel. Remember God's saving purposes for his people. And it's all over the New Testament. I want to give you just a few verses But you know Romans 8, I mean, this would be the passage that the Apostle Paul would encourage the church at Rome and generations of Christians ever since then. Romans chapter 8, those whom he foreknew, he predestined. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. There is a a five-link chain in salvation that is absolutely unbreakable. There is no one that was justified that is not glorified. No one. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will raise him up at the last day. They will not perish. I have come to do the will of my Father, and the will of my Father is that I raise them up at the last day, and they will be raised up at the last day. In John 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And I know them, and I give to them eternal life, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one. In Jude, Jude says this in his opening verses. He says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Called, beloved, and kept. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He will keep you to 
the end. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, probably one of the most important verses on this. In verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And Peter tells us that that salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time, verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, the return of Christ. Did you see that? Your inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's imperishable, it's undefading, it's undefiled. God has caused you to be born again. The work of salvation is the work of God and he finishes what he starts. And he says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, he saves you by grace and he keeps you by grace and he keeps you in the faith by grace. He guards you through faith. Ultimately, your faith will not fail. It may falter. You may give in temporarily, but if you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, your faith will not fail. And that should be encouraging. Remember John Piper saying one time, he said, if it was up to me, I would have been lost a long time ago because my faith has failed over and over and over. But because of the keeping power and the keeping purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ, he could never be lost once he was saved. Does that truth, does that reality encourage you when you fall into sin? You see, his kindness leads us to repentance. Is God's faithfulness, even when you are unfaithful, even when I am unfaithful, does God's faithfulness encourage us? His promises encourage us and lead us to repentance. Paul says in Philippians 1, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He says, I am sure of this. God's purposes will not fail. So remember God's saving purposes for his people and be established in your faith. Stand firm. The unshakable rock of God's salvation in Jesus Christ. Are you standing there? But finally, number four, remember Jesus' revelation of himself and be emboldened in your faith. Look back at our text in Luke. Beginning in verse 63, now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? 
And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. They were beating him, blindfolding him, blaspheming him. And when day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, if you're the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, I tell you, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. Remember when they questioned him, And they said, by what authority are you doing this? And he said, let me ask you a question. And he asked them a question and they saw that they could not answer that because either they would be stoned by the people or they would be shown to be the frauds that they were. He said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. He's referring back to Daniel's revelation and seeing the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, given the kingdom and all of the dominion and the power. He's seeing that together with Psalm chapter 110, where the Christ is said, told to sit at the right hand of God until the Father puts all of his enemies under his feet. So Jesus says, but from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus is revealing himself. He is God incarnate. He is the divine Son of Man, the divine Christ, truly God and truly man, who has come to save his people from their sins. And this is the one who would the next day hang upon a cross, bearing the wrath of God in the place of sinners like you and me. And this is the one who would be raised again on the third day and would ascend to heaven 40 days later and sit at the right hand of the majesty on high in the place of honor, in the place of preeminence. And so they all said, are you the son of God then? That was their conclusion to what he was saying. And he said to them, you say that I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his lips. They knew exactly what he meant. They knew exactly who he was claiming to be. So when your faith fails momentarily, one of the ways to keep you from despairing is to remember Jesus' revelation of himself. He is the divine Son of Man that has come to the rescue of sinners and he would do it by laying down his life. And he, del- he delightfully did it in obedience to his Father and in love for his people, Jesus gave his life for sinners like us. 
And that should be an encouragement to all of us. So we don't hide in shame. We may weep bitterly, but we should remember the gospel, remember who Jesus is, and repent and run into his arms. We always tell our kids when they sin, disobey, anything, to to come home. That the way home is always repentance. Come into our loving arms. Don't hide in shame. Don't stay away. Run into the arms of God. And maybe you're here this morning and you have been grieving over sin and you have been despairing over your sin and you're wondering, how could God forgive me? I've gone too far. It's too bad. God could never love me. Remember what the Apostle John says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Not only is he faithful, but he is just. And because Jesus satisfied the wrath of God for sins, he paid the debt completely for his people. It would be unjust for God not to forgive. He's faithful and just. Jesus paid it all. Your sins are forgiven. Repent and run into the arms of your loving Savior. And maybe you've never trusted Christ. And I would say the gospel is for you just like it is for all of us. Jesus loves you. He's saying, sinner, come home. Come home. Turn to the Savior today and receive forgiveness and eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the encouragement. We thank you that the apostle Peter was restored and strengthened for our benefit. So I pray, Lord, that we would look at this account, that we would be encouraged in our faith. And if there's anyone here who is struggling or despairing, anyone here who is grieving over their sin, I pray, God, that you would draw them close and they would run into your arms repentance and renewed faith. Thank you for the great reality that we see all throughout the pages of Scripture that you will never let your people go. That your covenant love for us is absolutely sure. I pray that that would give us strength. That would give us encouragement that he will hold us fast to the end. In Jesus' name. Amen.